Let's just sing, just change the order a little bit. Some glad morning. I believe that we feel that tug, we feel that pull, but it's becoming more real all the time. Amen. Let's sing this just a chorus or two. Some glad morning when this life is over. someone next to you, waved at them or something, why don't you do that right now? <laughs> Amen. That's the best connection we can make. We'll make it. Amen. You may have your seats. You've been standing for a bit. I'll ask the musicians just to remain. I'm going to be a few minutes. Brother Marion, if you want to have a seat as well. But Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Good to have everyone here, the regulars and the visitors. Nice to see Brother Mike. I see his dad up there. Brother Blair is up there. And uh, they, they came for a special reason. Yesterday, we had a brother who went into the age of the hoary head and the wise and the wisdom. That, that's Brother Dale Walshlager turned 65 yesterday. We appreciate our brother. Let's give him a hand. What's it like having a senior citizen for a brother, Brother, Day, brother Blair? <laughs> That's wonderful they came. Brother, brother Blair himself, he's, he's edging closer. He turned 60 this year. 
We are no longer spring chickens, are we? <laughs> I have to say we because I'm just a few months older than him. <laughs> so, anyway, God bless you. God bless you. Amen. I just wanted to make mention just a couple of announcements, maybe right after the service, if you can remember this in case I forget after. We'll just have a short meeting with the Sunday school teachers downstairs. Those that are here, we can do that. Next Sunday night, we're going to plan to have the communion. And so we've been working towards doing that. It's been a number of months, and it's always a special time. A communion is representative of our walk with God, our communing with God, and that we're part of a body. And every Christian wants to do it. So we, if you're really, you really are walking with God, you want to be a part of the communion. So I'm saying that ahead of time so that as many as, we're going to try to accommodate as many as we can for that service, that you, can, you want to take communion, you're welcome to come. We're going to use the downstairs, the upstairs, everywhere we can. We're going to work with it. It's going to take maybe a little more time. We won't be able to do the foot washing at this time, but what we're going to do is start with this, and then we'll see if the Lord makes a way. Is that good? So you have an opportunity to prepare for that. That'll be next Sunday. I want to just take a few moments this morning. Um, you know, it's, we've had kind of a shut-in time with the COVID, and it's been worldwide, it's around the world, but, you know, a number of places we, we'd normally go to and missionary, but um, that doesn't stop our brothers that we know in different places from doing missionary work, and it should not stop us either. We ought to use the opportunity. There's a mission field right around us in your neighborhood, in your school, or wherever you are, and we want to make use of that. So, Sister if Ruth, if I can get you to put that first picture up. This is a picture uh, in Uganda. This is Brother Stephen Abali's church. This was just about two weeks ago. If you can play this, it's just a short this clip for about two minutes. of service after the lockdown. We have been allowed to have only... 70 people in attendance. I want to take you inside the seating arrangement. We have had to have a hand wash station here. And then we register everybody who comes in. And the people are seated in a distance of two meters apart. And uh, we do not have a song service because we have to maintain uh, the masks.
That was their first service they had in six months. We ought to be thankful. And if God has given us grace, but let's remember there's a bride around the world. So while they haven't had the chance, Brother Stephen has been doing podcasts. He's been visiting the people at the church. They've been going into rural areas. If you take the next picture there, Sister Ruth, we helped Brother Stephen with a little bit of a sound system that's uh, both used at their church and it's used when they go out. They go to different places. And I want to just play, play a couple of clips. You may or may not have seen this. I may have played part of this before. But we're all familiar that in Uganda, and then there's many rural areas they go to. They, they meet, maybe not in buildings, but under trees or whatever. And we're familiar that there was a revival that broke up amongst Pentecostals, Baptists, and actually now Methodists. And I just want to just show that God's Word is having an effect. I'll just want to say this. There is no move of God on earth like the message of the hour. Every place it is penetrating. And we ought to just be encouraged and we ought to do all we can. So I'm going to just play a clip. This is Brother Stephen Abali addressing some Methodist ministers. Just a little under two minutes. wonderful. We uh, have been working together uh, in Uganda along with um, Brother Tim Dodd over at Cloverdale. They've been helping sponsor Brother Stephen and helping the radio broadcast, but we've been also working together on printing. Uh, They've printed the Church Age book. Our church is assisting in the printing of the Seals book. And uh, I, I believe these are, there has been no message, and I'll say even the Seals, That is a profound work of the Holy Spirit. That was not the wisdom of just a a gift, but that was God coming in this last day. And we need to be able to say, 
We ought to spread that with all that we can. If you're convinced, you'll be concerned. So we're helping with that, so it's wonderful. We're glad that even though the world is shut down, so to speak, these brothers are doing it. We're also working together with Brother Fred Kijinji, and I want to just play a little clip with him. He's also going out spreading the message, more so amongst the Pentecostals, but we'll just play that real quick as well. Amen. When I see those things and I, you know, the joy of seeing a soul receive Christ in truth, in spirit, in reality, there is nothing like it. It's liberating. And I think that if, if we've received it, we ought to do all we can. You know, this is our only time that we can work for the Lord is while we're on earth here. We ought to do everything we can. I also want to just take a couple of other pictures. This is a picture of some believers in Tanzania. And what these are, these are people from the Maasai tribe. Now, I went back into Kenya many, many years ago, and I went as a tourist to a Maasai village. The Maasai are a warrior-like people. They, they live, and I went as a tourist, and I remember they, they're, they're called the jumpers because they have this sort of dance. They jump up and down. And uh, I jumped with them. And I, I, I won their hearts, you know, because I, I could jump. <laughs> but the Word of God is so penetrating that Messiah are receiving the message of the hour. I was speaking with Brother Barry Coffey. And uh, just take to the next picture, please. This is a brother, Malachi is his name. He's a group of a number of um, messenger or missionaries that go around the country, and they travel, and right now there's probably a number of churches that don't have pastors, but they go and they visit, and they bring, uh, share the Bible, and actually distribute the Bible. Next slide, please. Here they're giving a Bible to a family, and there's the family, and these are souls that are receiving the very Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? 
the revelation of Christ personally to you. And they're receiving it, and I, I believe it's wonderful. This gospel, this gospel must be preached in all the world for a witness. And you know what? It's still going on. And I say that because maybe there's somebody in this city, and I believe we need to pray. And I believe we need to say, Lord, lead us, direct us. Maybe there's another Brother Marshall out there somewhere. You know, maybe there's someone. And then we ought to just pray, Lord, give us grace, give us wisdom. I want to just take this picture, Brother Mark. I shared this. This is a brother, is it Augustine? Is that his name? He, this brother is in Guyana. He was a pastor of a church, and it was um, in a remote area of Guyana. This brother passed away. Next picture. And uh, he led the group there, and they're without a pastor right now. There's a, an associate that's helping a little bit. Um, this is being coordinated also with, with the brothers in Trinidad, Brother Green and those. And we just need to pray because these are our brothers and our sisters. One day we're going to sit across the table from them. And uh, I just want you to remember, you know, sometimes we get caught in our own little world, but let's look a little further. I also, if you can switch to the next picture, these are some pictures from China. This is a couple of months ago. We're familiar with a number of brothers that um, have been imprisoned. They actually had their trial, and, the, and their trial, their imprisonment was because they had a copy of the King James Bible, and um, they were holding it, so they, were, they were, were put on trial. Next picture, please. This is Brother Caleb and Brother Peng. These are the two brothers, but they've been fearless in their stand. They say, we are standing for Christ. Uh, these brothers have now been put in prison, uh, some for 20 months, some for 18 months, but they said, we're standing for the Word of God, and the churches are going on, and the brothers are going on. Some of these brothers didn't have a shower for months at a time. I couldn't get in the shower without thinking about them, and I just say, let's remember them in prayer. Let's, let's pray that God would break the, bond, the bonds that hold them, and let's pray that the work of God goes on. Amen? Thank you for that, Sister Ruth. That's all. Let's stand together. Amen. How many are happy to be a Christian today? Part of a body, part of a kingdom. Amen. Let's just sing a chorus. He's the great emancipator. We're going to just change the order of the word here for a moment. Just wanted to share that. I believe it's good to be reminded. Amen. Once my heart and soul were fettered by the binding chains of sin, but the great emancipator, he said,
again but when we talk about emancipation that's liberty that's setting it free there's only one thing that can free you because you were born in sin I was born in sin I was shaped in iniquity you might have been born into a home with Holy Ghost filled parents but your nature was the nature to do wrong and you were bound by that nature you may have the seed of God in you but you needed to come to a place where the great liberator could set you free. And I say this, there's only one that can set us free. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The word, the anointed word of the hour is the only thing that can set you free. Like a lost lamb, I was drifting. Oh, let's not forget where we came from. Yeah. Without him, we can do nothing. We ought to thank him this morning. Amen. Let's be, let's just sing this once more in worship. And let's just say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Let's sing glory, glory, hallelujah. Blessed be his holy name. Glory, glory, you to bow your heads and have our sister play something softly yet this morning you've come here you've prayed you've set your heart we're going to face things this next week the world is going to face things we we saw that on wednesday in the tape the hour that we're living in we're going to face things we're going to need god to anoint us we're going to need the word to prepare us this morning, whatever your need is, God knows that need. He's already provided. He's already made a way. Would you want him to come by and make himself real to you this morning? Why don't you welcome him? Open your heart to him. And even as we pray, he is a high priest. He's touched by the feeling of our infirmities. Heavenly Father, this morning, we've gathered in. There's not one of us that can help the other not even the minister. Lord, they're gifts that are sent by you for the body. 
but Lord, they're just as needy. They have just as much need of the blood of Jesus as anyone else. Father, we're all needy this morning. Father, above all, we're needy that you would come by. Lord, when you come, you make the difference. Your voice makes the difference. Lord, I pray even now that you'd anoint us. Lord, as we begin to minister the word, it's not just about the speaker, but it's about everyone participating. And wherever we are, whether we be at home, whether we be gathered with some other believers this morning, Father, may there be a pull within, Lord. May the Spirit of Christ raise up in every brother and sister. May there be a full agreement with the Word this morning. May you anoint the minister, Lord. Take us into your hands. Anoint us, bless us, remember the needs of your people. Thank you for everyone that's gathered in. Thank you for the songs that are sung. Lord, truly, we thank you. It is joy unspeakable. May you, O oh Lord, come and make yourself more real, we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. We've been long in the preliminaries this morning, but thank you. God bless the musicians. Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13. I'm really going to follow through in the thought that we started last Sunday, which is the anointed kingdom on earth today. And I, I want to take another part to that, uh, the Lord willing. And I, I just want to speak a little bit on the footsteps of the righteous. So we're going to take this in Genesis chapter 13. And I want to start reading in verse 14. And the Lord said unto, A unto Abraham, now notice when he said this unto Abraham, after that lot was separated from him. To be a believer, you have to separate from all unbelief. Stay with me right now. Let's enter in. Let's make much of this time this morning. And he says, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. Now the promise was not just to Abraham, but to his seed. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it, and in the breadth of it, for I will give it to you. So Abraham was going to walk while as yet the land was not in his possession. He was going to begin to take footsteps. Now Abraham himself was looking for the fulfillment of it, but he didn't fully see it apart being reserved for the seed. Abraham had a desire to see a kingdom. He had a desire he'd met the king. He'd met Melchizedek, and he knew the kingdom was coming, but God told him, walk even though it isn't there yet. Take footsteps because it's coming. I have promised it. My word is sure. I will give it to you. That's our father. What about us? We're the children of Abraham this morning. And he says, and Abraham removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and he built there an altar unto the Lord. God bless his word. You may have your seats. I'll invite you to turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. We'll just start reading in, in verse 18. 
Sorry, verse 22. But you are come unto Mount Zion. Now, I, I, I know we read these words fast, but I don't just want them to roll off your tongue. You are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. When God called you to this, he didn't call you to be part of a church directory. He called you to be much bigger than that. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. Heaven knows we're here in this hour. Heaven is backing us up in this hour. And he says, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. My, if I could dwell on that just now. Let's save it. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaks. Jump, just drop down to verse 26. Whose voice shook the earth, then shook the earth, but now he's promised once more, I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. Let me just speak something for you for a moment. We were visited in this generation. How did God speak to us in the generation? In the days of the voice of the seventh angel. There's never been an age where it was declared that a voice would be ongoing. Science allowed a a machine that would be a recorder to keep that voice that you and I can listen to it. And that voice still has that effect today. That voice still cleanses you today. You're washed by it when you put on a tape. That voice is speaking to the kingdom of Satan today. That voice is being fulfilled today. So when the seventh angel came to earth, it was nothing less than the voice of God. And I need you to recognize this. Because the devil will try to make it common to you. But I'll say this. Let it shake. Let it thunder. Let it have its full effect. And when that voice came to earth, I'll say this. The kingdom of heaven began to shake. Because the days of Satan are numbered. I'll read that again. I I concluded the last service with that. When, When Brother Branham... When Brother Branham speaks, and he's just in, in prayer, he's just saying, lay hands on one another, there are some words that you know that was not just William Branham the man. You know that that was something greater that said that. And he begins to speak, and he just says, Satan, your days are numbered. Your kingdom is weighed in the balance and found wanting. And I just say, we need to start walking on those footsteps. We need to start saying, that kingdom is going down. The kingdom I'm associated with, the footsteps I'm taking, they're the kingdom coming into power. My voice is a part of that kingdom. Not just William Branham's voice, but the spirit that I'm under is a part of it. Your prayers, your voice, they're a part of that kingdom. Brother Ed, you're excited. I am excited. This is better than any hockey game. 
This is better than any football game. This is better than any shopping trip. This is the real thing. I hardly finished reading my scripture here. His voice shook the earth. But now he's promising, yet once more I shake not the earth, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifying the removing of those things that are shaken, as of those things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, rather, wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. What have we received? Just another move? No. This is God's kingdom, and it'll never be moved. I shall not be moved. Let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Amen. Now, I want to just take this for the moment, and, and I, I'll, I'll take it from where Brother Branham spoke it the other day. I shared this with you as well. In the seventh seal, Brother Branham is talking. He's identifying the events of the week, and he's saying how every day God came in the room and, and, and did things. And then he says, now I'm sure you've noticed the things that's happening this week. That little Collins boy laying there dying the other night, that little leukemia girl. And then he said, the kingdom of God is coming. It's becoming more from the negative to the positive as it has been. Now that ought not to choke people from justification to sanctification to baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then here, here, see, we're drawing closer to God all the time. In our minds, in our intellect, we're thinking, well, the messenger's not here anymore. That does not stop the kingdom. In fact, it's better that he's not here because we'd be clamoring to be around him. God doesn't want us to be caught up with, with you know, and, and live the gospel vicariously through Brother Branham or through tapes. He wants a direct relationship with him. He wants you to know him, the king that's coming into power. Now, in the Old Testament, now I'm calling this the anointed kingdom on earth today, and I really want to speak on the footsteps of the righteous. Now, I, I'll, I'll refer to this, Sister Ruth. I don't have this, but I'm, I'm going to just read from Malachi chapter 4, and, it, and, it's, and it's somewhat prevalent to the day that we're living in, and, and it's, it's not 5 and 6 as we normally, but I want to read from, Revelation, uh, sorry, from Malachi 4 verse 1. The behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly, and shall be subtle. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts. It shall leave them never root or branch. Now in the mind of God, there was a day coming when God was going to cleanse the earth, when God was going to make the work of redemption complete, and he was going to burn with a holy fire. Just as sure as the earth was covered by water, just as sure as the earth had to be sanctified by the blood, so surely shall it be cleansed by fire. So in that day, and now he says in verse 2, but unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go forth and grow up as calves in, of the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked. Now look at this comment. You shall tread down the wicked. 
Now that's not future event. That's the time you're living in right now. You'll tread down the wicked. They shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord. Now we're pointing out to the time when America's going to be in ashes and that's what we're going to do. But before Abraham's seed ever possessed the land, Abraham took footsteps. Before Caleb ever came to his inheritance, there was already footsteps that were there. Before we ever possessed the earth in the millennium, there will be footsteps that are here already. We're here, not by accident. God bless you. Just, I appreciate the pull. You helped me give me just a wee bit of volume before I... I, I I'm, I'm, I'm needing to just... Express what God's put on my heart. And then he'll go on. So he says, remember, there'll be ashes. And then he goes on, he says in verse 5, and he says, remember the law of Moses, verse 5, I will send you Elijah, the, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day. So there's our promise. But it also is incumbent that we walk in it. Listen, we read this out of, out of Genesis 13. Abraham, even though God spoke to him, it was obedience on Abraham's part that opened a further part of the revelation to him. This morning, if you're a young person and, and you got disobedience in your heart, don't expect God to come down in some magic spell. You've got to open your heart first. Don't expect if you've got unconfessed sin that you can receive more of God if it's not brought under the blood. Don't expect that if you're resisting what God's word has said, that a further part will be open. Abraham himself, who God called, and we look at him as the father of the faith, he says, come out, go away from your kindred. Well, he brought Lot with him. He brought his father with him. He never fully separated. But once he separated, once there was strife, and then God speaks to him and opens up more to him. Sometimes within a home, there's trouble within a home. Husband against wife, wife against husband. We find that maybe the husband isn't operating in his role. The wife isn't operating in their role. Until you submit to what? Not the person that you're with, but God's order, God's word. I'm a husband. I have a responsibility. Let me humble myself to enact it out. I'm a wife. Let me submit myself. Until that happens, God cannot move. So you need to separate yourself from all unbelief. As long as you hold denominational thinking, you cannot be married to the word of God. Until the old husband is dead, you cannot be married to him. Read Invisible Union. Only when the mate is dead can you be married to the Word of Christ. The Word of God, which is Christ. Now, the anointed kingdom. In the Old Testament, God foreshadowed things. Just quickly, Exodus 29. I'll read a little background here. Everything was a shadow of things to come. So in Exodus 29, we could read much of this, but in verse 1 to 7, and I'll just pick up parts of this, the minister that was operating in the priest's office, he had to take a bullock and two rams, and he had to bring them into a basket and, and do all of these things. Now in verse 5, and you shall take the garments 
and put them on Aaron, the coat, the robe of the ephod, the ephod, the breastplate, and gird him with a with the curious girdle of the ephod, you'll put the mitre on his head, put the holy crown upon his head. Now, everything was in order. The last thing required was, thou shalt then take the anointing oil and pour it upon his head and anoint him. Now, David picked this up in the Psalms, and he said, how precious it is for brethren to dwell together in uni. It is like the holy anointing oil that came on him. Now, it was, everything was dignified, everything was good, but when that oil came, it dripped all over him. It just saturated his being. When the Holy Ghost comes into a meeting, and we break the order, and we allow the Holy Spirit to take the stony heart, the starchy heart, that's when God is so well pleased. Oh, let it be this morning. Forget about yourself. Forget about the, what, how you act and who you are. Just agree with the word. Say, Lord, I love you. I want your word. I want you in my life. I need you in my life. So the anointing was necessary. Just a wee bit more. Sorry, brothers. So that was, let's go to, let's go to Exodus 40 quickly here. We'll just take a couple of things. I, I could read much on this to take time, but I want to move to the thought. Exodus 40, verse 9. So now the tabernacle was set. Everything was in order. We drop down to verse 9. And you shall take the anointing oil. Now not just the priest. He says, now you shall anoint the tabernacle and all that is therein. You shall hallow it and all the vessels therein. It shall be holy. Thou shalt anoint the altar of the burnt offering, the vessels, and sanctify the altar. And it shall be an altar most holy. So it wasn't just a priest. Everything was anointed. And I think we need to say, my life, this temple, this vessel, it belongs to God. It doesn't belong to the devil. I don't need to loan it to him on a Monday or Tuesday and then just come back and give it back to God on Wednesday. I need to loan it to him all the time. I said it last time, it's like, the, it's like the car, which is full of fuel. You've got, you got it full of fuel, you've put fuel in it, you've done all you can, but without a spark, that car cannot run. Sometimes God, 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 listen, you have to look at it this way. God wants to do something through your temple, through your vessel, through his body. His body is him on earth today. And sometimes God says, hey, I need somebody uh, to go and witness to some young person in a high school. Oh, I need a young person. Where is one ready? Where is one I can run? Run with. Let me hop in their car. Is their car running? Can they respond? Can they work with it? God wants you. God needs you. I want to be ready. Friends, Brother Brandon was ready at all times. He was ready when he was preparing for a service. God, the Holy Spirit, was searching for someone. There was a woman that was dying on the way to the meeting. And she wasn't going to make it to the meeting. She wasn't going to make it to the prayer line. The Holy Spirit sees that. It. It's searching. It's looking. And the only place it can find is a prophet kneeling in prayer. And as he's kneeling in prayer, it comes on him. And he begins to speak in tongues. He speaks German and he doesn't understand it. He's thinking, he's so deep in prayer. He says, what? somebody's out there speaking German or something. Oh, it's me. You want to talk about a genuine tongues? That's genuine. That's not made up. That's yielded. He comes to find out about that time as he's interceding. Oh, friends, we need to recognize how much your prayers make a difference. 
Your, just a thought, just a word makes a difference. Yield yourself to it. Well, you know, the devil sometimes comes and tells us, he comes and tells us sometimes that, you know, you, you say, well, I'll pray for you, brother, and maybe you just whisper a prayer, maybe it's just 30 seconds, and he says, oh, that'll do nothing. Are you kidding me? It does something. Oh, yeah. It does something. Oh, yeah. And you do that, you do a little bit more. Maybe it's a, you don't need an hour drawn. Just do it. Do you remember last, last service? You, you're washed away. Your life is nothing. You, you, you want to come back to God, don't you? And he says, you're back. Just by the desire. Where did that come from? God is on the scene. The kingdom of God is here. Sometimes he's depending on you. He's depending on me. But we paralyze the program of God. Why? Because we're stony. We're stiff. We're starchy. We're not limber like we should be. Listen, that's a rebuke to me and every one of us that, that gets just in too much in the flesh. Be prayed up. You know, constantly, always prayed up, somebody comes by, you say something. You know, the subconscious realm is more real than we think it is. Your words, sometimes your words, you say something and your mind, you didn't even enter your mind, your brain, but the subconscious is saying it. That's the season we're living in. It'll come a time, it says, before they even... Before they can even say it, I'll already answer. They're just thinking it. I'll already answer. And sometimes you're thinking and you say it, and you say, well, I didn't say that. That was him in me that said that. That's not just for the prophet. That's for every believer. We are anointed messiahs. Not just one messiah. Not just one vessel. But we are anointed vessels, part and parcel of him. Do you believe that today? Brother Branham is praying. He's in there, comes to the meeting, finds out that woman would have died, but the Holy Spirit had interceded. Aren't you grateful for that? Isaiah 40, we're reading here, says, You shall anoint the labor of the foot. Verse 11, You shall break Aaron and his sons unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Wash them with water. You shall put on Aaron holy garments and anoint him and sanctify him that he may minister to me in the priesthood. You shall bring his sons. Now, it it wasn't just for Moses, but it was for Aaron. And it was for his sons. And it was to all the things of their life. You know, I I believe even when we have our home, there's, there's little places that we have that we set aside where we consecrate to God. There's a the place where you can have devotion. There's, the Bible should always be on top. I don't throw things on top of the Bible. I honor God. And you know, do you think those things make a difference? Absolutely they make a difference. You do that and you watch God back that up. It's the little things. And he says, you shall anoint them. as you, Verse 15, as you did anoint your father, they minister in the priest's office. For, an ever, for their anointing shall be an everlasting priesthood throughout their generations. Thus did Moses and all that the Lord commanded him. So this anointing was there. It was, and, and to be anointed, if you look at the anointing oil, it was a special mix and it was meant only for service for God. It was not to be replicated for anything else, but it was holy unto God. So you, you need to see and say, that Holy Spirit that comes on you, you ought to reverence it. You ought to say, that's sacred. 
You know, the, the world doesn't do that. Brother Brandon would say it simply, he'd say, the world doesn't give a tinker about your token. But to the believer, it's sacred. It's special. Now, I, I, I could take much, but let's go to Isaiah 61. We're, these were types. We know that even Paul referred to it in the Hebrews. He talked about how everything had to be anointed, how everything had to be sprinkled without, with blood. He says, because without the blood, there, there was no, 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 no redemption. That wasn't the word he used there. But without the blood, everything was purified. With the blood, everything was purified. Isaiah 61. So Isaiah, Isaiah is speaking. He's looking ahead to the time that's coming. And he says this in verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to them that are bound. So this was going to be an anointing that was going to come on the earth. But the anointing wasn't going to be reserved just for the time when Jesus would step into the tabernacle of flesh that was on the earth. Because, you know, this, he says, he has anointed me to preach good tidings. He's anointed me to bind up the broke, to proclaim liberty, the opening of prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So we know the rest of the story. It's actually picked up in Luke chapter 4. Let's, let's just jump ahead and we'll, we'll, we'll pull it out there. Sometimes we're quick to say these things and it's better sometimes just to read it and not to go so fast and to slow down. And Brother Tito in the back office who's translating said, Amen. Thank you, Brother Ed. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. As his custom was. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm Christ. I'm the anointed one. I shouldn't need to go to church. Uh, I'm sorry. If he did it, how much us? How much us? Are, are we above him? No, we're not. We need to give ourselves to it. My wife and I were talking about how, you know, even your body adjusts to things in your life and, and how... You know, you, you know, I was listening to the demonology series and Brother Branham would talk about demonology in the physical, but then he makes a correlation with demonology in the spiritual and how they're related and how cancer is actually a fourth dimension disease. And, and Brother Branham would make st statements like, you carry an unforgiving spirit, you carry bitterness. He said, you're setting up for a cancer or for a tumor. So how important then is it for your well-being to have a happy frame of mind, to have a connection with God? You want to be healthy? Start with that. God will take care of the other things too. But they're important. They're all a part of it. So, you know, your natural body adjusts to things. And if you adjust to, you know, in, in, in things and how you, you, you do it, it actually, it begins to work with you as you work with it. So... Now, now here, 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 Jesus is saying, and, and, and you know, he comes, he came to Nazareth where he was brought up, and now in verse 17, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he opened the book, he found the place 
that it was written. Now, the Spirit of God always comes to the Word. And it's anointed for the hour that it's to be brought in. Luther did not go to Revelations chapter 10 in his hour. He went to Romans chapter 5. Because that was the hour, that was the anointing that he was under. But Jesus now comes. He did not pull out the further part about the days of vengeance. But he pulls out this part. So in other words, they gave him the book. And he starts flipping. Well, it was scrolls. So he started going And finally he found the place. He was so led of God. Now there was a prophet that says about the seals. I was so inspired. So led of God. Beyond his thinking. Beyond what he knew. All that he'd understood. So we need to be led. I I think, you know what? We, We really need to pray. No, I, I don't believe a missionary program is so much standing on a street corner and handing out tracts. I believe that's part of it. You cast the net. You do those things. But I think you can pray and say, Lord, let me cast my net where a fish may be. Let me cast my net. Lead us, Lord. If it's not me, lead somebody else. You know, Jesus made us a part of his work. He said, roll away the stone. He could have rolled it away. He could have spoke it away. But he said, roll away the stone. And then he actually goes further and he says, and he says, ask me. No, he says, the fields are white as harvest. Pray unto me, ask me, that labors may be sent. Now, he wants to bring the, the, the harvest to a fruition. But the program of God is such that you need to ask him. Be interactive. Pray with Him. You know what? The mission work that's going on, it's divinely led. You know, different brethren do different things. Some brothers got a burden for the Philippines. Other brethren got a burden for India. Other brethren got a burden for South America. Some for Africa. But you know, at the end of the day, it's God that's leading and directing it all. So we want to be led even here. Lord... No, prepare the ground. Pray. I, I just listened last night. I'm just, just there, and I'm, and I'm thinking I just need to clear my mind and just listen a little bit to a tape, but I'm listening. And Brother Man was talking in the demonology series, and I'm just listening to it, and he's just praying. Pray. He says, pray that God would lead me. I don't know. I, you know, even the gift of visions. He required prayer to be able to do it. There's something we all can do. Just was fellowshipping and saying how there was a situation that was going on and, and I felt a burden on my heart for it. And then I was talking to my mom and she was burdened the same way and somebody else had a dream and somebody else had this and, and little they know it, but it was God doing that in the body before anything happened. Now, I, I, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm getting a, having a tough time getting to my text, but Footsteps is possession. Now, l- l- let, me, let me just drop this in. There was a woman in the Bible. And it was in the time of Jesus. And, and Brother Branham would tell the story how she felt to buy this anointing oil. And she felt to buy it. And even though it came from an unscrupulous means, 
You know, maybe it was by doing something that wasn't right, but yet the burden came on her heart. And then as she comes and she sees, here's Jesus invited to the house of the Pharisees. And she's coming up to this house and she sees nobody's anointing him. Nobody's doing anything for him. Why aren't they doing it? And she runs and, and she buys this costly spikenard as the Bible tells us. And she comes in there and she anoints him and she, she, she worships him and she does this. And the Pharisees are going, oh man. But little did they know she was actually catching the pull of the hour. And Jesus says, don't say a word against her. She's anointing me for my burial. Before, I, I know it was the Joseph of Arimathea that, that actually did the tomb and, they, and you know, they gave him an anointing. But she caught the revelation before. Friends, we, we ought to feel the pull of the hour. There's a kingdom coming into fullness. I don't think we can need to be, you know, you don't wait, need to wait for California or the economy or the Pope or this. I think we ought to be moving ahead of time. I think we ought to be led of God. I think we can take steps now. We feel the pull of the hour and we're not doing it as those that were at Life Tabernacle. We're saying fast pray, fast pray. We're recognizing it for what it is. There's a kingdom coming into power. I, I'm just trying to give you a principle here. In the season of proclamation, somebody catches the word of God. Okay, I, I gotta back up. Let me, let me finish this and then we'll, we'll, we'll go to this. So he finds the place where it was written, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor you know, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So if you actually catch that, he stops mid-middle mid, of the verse in Isaiah, and he closes the book. Because that anointing was for that time frame. The further part of that, the days of vengeance, is coming. So he says, and as they all looked at him, and, and Brother Branham refers to this as supreme anointing. And he says, he closes the book and everybody's, he says, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Now they didn't catch it in the, in the fullness of that moment. And they all bear witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? They were having a hard time figuring out where this came from. Now, I, I, I could read more at that point, but we won't. So, if you actually look, the word Christ means anointed one. Christ means anointed ones. In Acts chapter 4, and I'm, I'm just going to pick a, a little bit up here. In Acts chapter 4, and this is in, in verse 24. I'm sorry if I'm jumping around on you there, Sister Ruth. I, I, it's uh, it's my, my fault. I'm just, just taking as Lord's leading me here. And when they heard, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, thou hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is 
that in them is, and by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? So they're quoting David out of the Psalms. And the rulers of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. So his anointed one. You can actually pick up a similar phrase in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. They also um, talk about this in a similar verse, and I'm just using this word Christ for a minute. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says, um, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So they're talking now here about Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. God anointed him. Now, the anointing was Christ, but when Jesus came on earth, he never referred to himself as Christ. And in fact, in the time that he was there, it was always Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth, son of man, son of... But never referred to as Christ until you actually come to John 17. And in his prayer, he, he's reading in John chapter 17, and he finally comes to the place, and, and he would read it, and I, you don't have to turn to it, and he's, and he's praying, this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ. First time he refers to himself as the Christ. Now, Brother Darren brought this out when he was here, but he talked about how when Jesus came on earth, the demons answered and they said, are you come to torment us before our time? In other words, he was making footsteps because he was coming into the kingdom of his power. And he was making footsteps and inroads into that. Now we have to recognize this is a principle of God. God, before he does anything... How does he do things? He works on earth, but it's his spirit working through vessels on earth. Before we can even ask of God something, quite often it starts with a burden. And who puts the burden on you? Is that something that, that you have? Like, oh, I, I, if, you know, sometimes the devil oppresses you and that's a tormentor. But sometimes it's God that puts a burden. I've got to get to a tape. I've got to get in prayer. I've got to see something change in this situation. Well, it's a good sign God's wanting to do something. And I say, give yourself to that. Recognize the unction of God and follow it through. The leading of the Spirit is a message that will never fail. And so God wants to do something, so he pours out his spirit. It's a burden. And then as you're burdened, you begin to search through the word. You look for promises. You find them, and you begin praying. And all of a sudden, you're calling on God. Do something. And God says, I'll be glad to do that for you. Now, the same principle works in the negative. Brother Bram said, well, the Bible says there'll be a, a tribulation period. Now, it's not going to just happen that... You know, there's a rapture and all of a sudden there's going to be a tribulation. But it's actually setting in order right now. And he says, he'd make the statement as early as 1953. He'd say, how in the last days he would say, uh, I better read it from, from here because it's better that way. He would say, in the last days, so he says this is in Israel, the church. 
The people are in the spirit of the last day. What is the spirit of the last day? As it was in the days of Noah. They're eating and they're drinking and they're giving in marriage. Now, so, so they have to get in the spirit of destruction before destruction will come. So they're, they're already moving in that realm. And, and then he says, marriage, unconcerned, don't care, walk around, anything else. And he would actually say in another message in 1953, show us the Father, it'll satisfy. The Bible has said in the last days, look at the nature of the people. They are getting in the spirit of the last day. They had to get in the spirit of the antediluvian world before they could be destroyed. They have to get in the spirit of war before they have war. God, let us be in the spirit of Christ before Christ will come. Do you want deity in your midst? Welcome and receive the word. Don't accept. Listen, if you're not caught up, if you're not caught up with a need to pray or a need to feed on the word of God, that's a dangerous place to be. Why? Unconcerned. Oh, my. Does that mean do I have to work something up, brother? No, just yield. Lord, I love you. I want to walk with you. I want to serve you. And the Spirit will lead you into what you have to do. You know, that, but, but look at the world around us. The, the negative part here says, you know, there'll come a time when they'll call good evil and evil good. How did that happen? Oh, it just started with a little at a time. It just started, you know, it just began to be a saying. And as the saying went out, you know, it's not so bad. God's a good God. And that began to be a saying. And after a while, it began to be a deed. And after it began, you know, it was just, just a spirit that was floating around. And more people caught it. And then it began to be a deed. It's the same thing in this last day. You know, how, how, how did the world get to a place where, where they're so totally against anybody that stands for true marriage? Somebody that doesn't understand the LBGQTQXYZ, whatever it is, that doesn't understand it. You mean you don't believe that? No, I don't believe that. You know, I, I found it amazing. They're interviewing, interviewing this judge for the Supreme Court position, and she made a simple little statement like it says, you know, that's a preference on who you want to get married. Well, she was torn to shreds in the media on it. A preference? No, it's my right. It's who I am. <laughs> yeah, it's who you are. You gave yourself over to a wicked spirit. Friends, we are beyond the time where it's just a bad man in an office. The system is so gone to, yeah. to pot. It doesn't matter who you put in. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. It is, it's going to destruction. Yeah. I, I trust you heard God's voice speaking to us on Wednesday. Yeah. See, put a man in every county, it'll never turn it around. starts with just a saying. It starts, you know, where, oh, it, it's kind of like a little mischievous thought. And then the mischievous thought becomes ah, a way of life. And then you who oppose it or don't go along with it, you're ill thought of it. And now it's come to a place, even if you don't go along, you're the evil one. Huh, how did we get there? I'll tell you, tell you what, it, it, is, it is just 
the spirit of this last days. But we're not of that spirit. We're not of that kingdom. And I'll tell you what, you, the more you feed on this, the less your appetite will be for those things out there. Oh, Brother Ed, I, I, I don't know if I can just listen to a tape. I don't feel like worshiping. You don't have to do a whole lot. Just start with tapping your toe. Start by singing a song. Start by just listening to five minutes a day. Start by just looking at a verse a day. Start by taking five minutes at lunch. And let it grip you. Let it hold you. If the seed of God is there, you'll want more of God. The Holy Ghost in you will desire the things of God. The Holy Ghost feeds on the Word of God. I'm asking you, you want to be an overcomer? That's how you do it. Brother Ed, how do you do it? The same way. I don't feel like going and studying every day. I don't feel like getting in that. But I'll tell you what, my body is being conditioned to it. My new body, the one that's over there, it feeds on those things. It's there. My theophany body, it's hungering, it's yearning, and it's expressing itself through this. Thank God for that. No. Jesus never referred to himself as the Christ. But yet he was coming into power. You know, there was an interesting thing when they asked Jesus in one place uh, about how he was, you know, doing something at, at the time that he was doing it. And, and they said to him, he says, you know, why are you doing this? And then he says, have you not read what David did when he came to the priests and he ate the showbread that was reserved for the priest? And, and you know, so David, you know, the legalists in the congregation would say, Whoa, David deserves it, you know. But you know what? He was led of God. And he began to walk in the promises of God. It was making a way. David was a type of the son of David. David was a type of Christ, the forerunner who went before us. So it always takes somebody who catches the anointing and who steps into it. Okay, so David, he... He, when he was anointed by Samuel, he was positionally placed as king. He was anointed when as yet he did not have the throne yet. But he began taking footsteps. So everything he did was with character, with anointing, by purpose. It was led of God. And not only did it benefit David, but it benefited those that came to David. So there was men that recognized David's coming into power. This Saul and the way he's running the kingdom, I don't like it. I don't like the way it's going on. It's not right. It's not this. But I see David. There's an anointing on him. Oh, friends, there's an anointing on this message. It is what's going to usher us into the presence of God. Now, let me, let me read Something because Brother Branham would talk about it here, and he, he talks about how because Jesus was the Christ, but he says there will also be Christ come. God was made flesh and became the Messiah. Then, if we yield ourselves to be anointed like he was, we become Messiah's little lights. That's what the church is supposed to be lights, little anointed ones. That's God's church. He is standing light in the light of Messiah, the risen Christ in his people, the anointed ones carrying forth his light into all the church ages. 
God's anointed one. If Messiah means anointed one and means kings, then the church is anointed by the Messiah spirit. It becomes a lesser, but it is still a Messiah. It is his light. It is reflecting his power, his glory, reflecting his dominion. So is it Messiah. Oh, it reflects him in his kingdom, in his domain. Why do you do what you do? Because you're anointed for it. When you feed on this word, you can't help but follow through on what it says to do. Now, I, I want to just take this. This is 2 Thessalonians. I, I, I refer to this once in a while, but I'm feeling just the need to go here again. I don't know if we can recognize the position God has and the anointing that is upon us. Under the fourth seal in the, in the gray horse ride, Brother Branham would tell us there is powers that are merging. Political powers are merging. He said religious powers are merging and demonic powers are merging. And they're merging for the final ride under the fourth seal, the pale horse, which is death. So that final part of that ride will be when there is the Messiah that the world is looking for, which is a Superman, which is setting up in Rome. So as yet, the ride has not culminated, but there's a gathering. There's a power that's coming together. So while that power is coming together because the two kingdoms parallel themselves, there's also got to be a kingdom that's coming together. Brother Branham was a part of it, but he was not all of it. I send you, Elijah the prophet. What is he sending? An anointing that we're operating under. A housewife has as much right to call on God as a prophet does. A child going to school has as much right. You say, oh, that's reserved for the prophet. Don't, don't, you're venturing out. Who's holding that back anyway? That's the spirit of the Philistines again. Why? Because Isaac dug up the wells that, that the Philistines had stopped in the days of Abraham. And they said, don't you dig them up. Isaac dug them up anyway. He said, there's water coming out of there. Friends, I, I feel like I want the Holy Ghost to flow. I want it to flow in every family, in every home. I don't just want a, a preacher to be anointed. I want us all to be anointed. Don't, let's, don't just come to church and say, okay, we got so much time, and then we're shutting it down. No, I, don't be finished till the Holy Spirit's finished. Maybe he wants to finish right now, and, and all it takes is you to yield right now, and it can happen, yeah? Even with me preaching, yes, it can happen. Just, just so you know, it is possible. One of these days, I'll just shock everybody. I'll just close my Bible up half an hour before. <laughs> That's why you're here, Brother Glenn. I won't. <laughs> Thessalonians. We beseech you, brethren, chapter 2, verse 1. We beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering unto him that you be not soon shaken, troubled in mind, neither by spirit or by word nor by letter from us that the day of Christ is at hand. Now, he's, he goes on to make statements, and I don't want to just spend all my time reading it, but they'll come a falling away first. A man of sin will be revealed, the son of position, and the spirit behind that man in verse 3, 
uh, sorry, verse 4 is, he opposes and exalteth everything that is called God. So the anointing on earth is the same as it was on Lucifer when he was in heaven. And I told you these things. Now, verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Now, Brother Branham would go in the seals and he would say, Only he who now letteth will let. Now, there's a part in there that we play. Because you are Christ on earth. Until he the Holy Spirit in you be taken out of the way. So the kingdom of Satan will not come into fullness as long as the bride is here. Now, that means there's a force behind you. I don't know if you can catch the picture of this. But the verses we are hearing in the book of Revelations, the verses we are hearing in the New Testament, in the book of Ephesians, this is the last group of people that will receive this. Because once the bride is taken out of the way, nobody will receive this in the Gentile kingdom anymore. The 144,000 will receive something, but there will never be a church denomination. There will never be a Gentile anymore after we are finished. So there's a power behind us. And if you got to recognize, that power is here now. It's in you now. Why, why hasn't the world completely given over? Because there's a bride here. Why is it that, that the devil wants to do something and it's held back? That's why I believe in praying. That's why I believe we have something to do. Our voice. Now, you might think, I, I don't have much. But I'll just say this. Heaven is backing what's come down on earth right now. You receiving the word, you speaking the word is the same as heaven speaking it. Maybe we don't come to the fullness of that yet, but we ought to be moving that way. Now, when, when Jesus sent in Luke chapter 10, when he sent the disciples out, he said, Tell the places you go to, the kingdom of heaven has come nigh to you. And if they don't receive you, tell them that it's going to be worse for you than it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, we don't think of it like that. But sometimes to turn down God's word. Now, we think, oh, that was just turning down the messenger. Sometimes God sends a minister. Sometimes God sends somebody else to warn us. And, and to turn it down the last time. Oh, friends, I, 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 I felt, I just said it to Brother Andrew the other day. There's a service that Brother Donnie Reagan spoke and I, years ago, and I just, it just was on my heart. The danger of an unsurrendered heart. Just to be a little stony is a dangerous place to be. Just to put it off a little bit is a dangerous place to be. But to be open is to have all of heaven behind you. To be open is to have all of heaven speaking for you. Why wouldn't you want that? And he would say, the wicked shall be, you know, the, the mystery of iniquity works. The wicked one will be revealed, etc., etc. It talks about a strong delusion. But I, I just want to bring this point. 
Right now, God's restraining force is where? In his bride. Just like Esther was the only thing that held back judgment against God's people in that day, the bride is the only ones that's holding back judgment. Sometimes you got a lost loved one. And you're the voice that God is listening so he can still deal with them. Listen, I, I, I trust you get a little bit of faith out of this. To pray a little bit more. To be a little more sincere in your prayer. Your footsteps. Your, listen, there was a time when Abraham's footsteps had to become more than that. My goodness, I got so many things I need to get to. Let's just go back to Genesis 28 for a minute. I didn't give you some of these, but Genesis 28, this is Abraham's seed. This is Jacob when he's running from God, running from, from Esau rather, and he got the birthright unscrupulously, although Esau, he, he despised it and, and, and didn't know. But he's, he's running and he comes to a certain place, and this, I won't read the whole thing, but you, you know, if you want to read it from verse 11 to 22, but there's some stones set there, the sun is setting, and he puts his head on the stones for a pillow, and that's when he has a dream of the ladder going into heaven and angels descending it. And, and God speaks to him and says in verse 13, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest to thee will I give it and to thy seed. Now God is reaffirming his promise. He's saying, Abraham already walked on this land, but I'm giving it to you also. I think we need to recognize the fullness of the atonement for the hour that we're living in. And to thy seed shall be the dust of the earth. And thou shalt spread, he's telling him the same things he told Abraham. Spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in all thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all the places whither thou goest and will bring thee again unto this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee. How would you like to have a promise like that in a dream? I mean, I would wake up in a dream and I would say, praise God, I'm going to make it. Praise God, he's given me my family. Praise God, he's given me everything that pertains to joy and peace and life. Everybody's oppressed by fear, I'll step on that demon. Everybody's worried about what will happen, I'll step on that demon. The Lord is with me, I will not fear what man will do unto me. He is my salvation. He is my righteousness. I will walk with him through the valley of the shadow of death. There will be no evil come nigh me or nigh my dwelling place. I'll tell you what, I like to repeat the promises of God. I don't like to repeat what the devil says to me. I like to repeat what God says to me. Do you ever stumble and fall, brother? And absolutely I stumble and fall. But every day I go and the next day I wake up, I reclaim the land again. Lord, I fail. I didn't quite say that right. I couldn't quite do that right. But Lord, I'm taking footsteps. I'm taking in this morning. I may have lost a little ground, but I'm taking it back. It's my ground. And it belongs to me. And my family belongs to me. And my brothers and sisters belong to me. And those that aren't walking the way they should belong to me. My grandmother went through huge trials. I'm, I'm trying to put together 
something that's just a little bit of a video on testimony of some things. But I'll tell you what. I'm not just taking, I'm not living on her coattails. But the God that dealt with her, that dealt with my mother. I've, I've, I've taken what God said to, what Paul said to Timothy. He said, the faith I saw in your grandma, I saw in your mom, I see in you. I'm not saying that because I'm born naturally. I'm just saying, that's the God that gave me that. And my grandmother, she, she came out and she went through a war. She lost her husband in the war. She lost everything in the war. She left all of that behind. She went to, had to leave this, this land behind and everything. Lost a child. Went through all kinds of dangers. Went through all kinds of things. Was in Eastern Europe and actually had to go to the West. And she was praying to God. And one night in a dream, she had scripture in the Bible came to her. Because she was worried about where her family would go and what they would and it was when God was speaking to Moses and he says, I will not leave a hoof behind. And that came to her. And I'll tell you what, she hung on to that. Had she seen everything come to fruition before she died? No, she didn't. But I'll tell you what, the faith of the God that gave it to her, that faith still lives on. That faith, and I'll tell you what, I don't mind picking some of that up. There's some relatives that are lost and that are wayward. I don't stop praying for them. I stand for them. And I stand for every one of them. Because the God, the eternal God that promised it, He's still alive. He still backs up His word. The God of Abraham came to Jacob, came to Moses, came to Joshua, came to the tribes of Joshua, came to Caleb. That's the God that we have with us. The God of William Branham is the God that I serve today. William Branham isn't here, but I serve that God today. I am with thee. I will keep thee in all the places you go. Jacob woke up and he said, this is nothing but the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And those stones that he took as a pillar, listen, it was a landmark to him. He took those stones. He called the name of the place Bethel. It used to be called Lutz. But he called it Bethel, the house of God's bread. And he says, and he vowed a vow, if God be with me and will keep me in the way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I may come to my father's house in peace. He's saying that before he's ever restored to Jacob. But there's an anointing that's on him. And he says, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give a tenth unto thee. Where did that come from? It was in his father, Abraham. I'll do that. Why? Because I'm not just a natural son that's riding on the coattails. I'm anointed by the same Spirit. So what did he do here? He anointed that place. He put an anointing on those things. And he set it for a pillar. He anointed And you watch Jacob's life. He came back there continually. He came back there continually. I keep coming back to the well of grace. Jump ahead real quick. I'm just going to take this while I'm there. Joshua chapter 3. Now, it's not just footsteps, but now it's, you know, and watch what Abraham did. Abraham, he was, they were going to give him a burying place for Sarah. He said, here, you take it. He said, no, I'm buying it. 
It's mine, but I'm buying it. You got no inheritance. It, it's an abstract title deed. It's mine. You're not going to have no part of it. God gave it to me. I'll buy it. I'll pay for it. There's a part of me in this. Abraham did that. Jacob did that. And now watch Joshua. Joshua now comes out as the further part. This, this would be a whole message in itself. But it, now Joshua comes and he's coming to the Jordan River. And they're coming to pass after three days. The officers went through the host and they commanded the people. When, now verse 3. And when you see the ark of the covenant, the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites bearing it, you shall remove from your place and go after it. Now he says there'll be a space between you about 2,000 cubits by measure. Now that space was determined by God. You know, you, everybody wants to throng around what God's doing. You wouldn't be able to see it. But God says, here, you all can see it. And you're all going to have faith in it. It's the Word going in front of you. And He says, come near unto it that you may know by the way you must go, for you've not passed this way. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders for you. And He took the Ark of the Covenant, made it to pass before the people. And then the Lord said to Joshua, verse 7, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all of Israel, that you may know that as I was with Moses, I will be with thee. Now he goes on to tell Joshua in chapter 1 when he gives him his commission, but he tells him every place that the soles of your feet tread, that have I given to you. Now they're living in the hour of fulfillment. Now it's not just staking a claim, and I'll claim it at some future, but now it's actually where footsteps are possession. And I'm saying, I'm giving it to you. I'm, you can claim it. You can take it. You know, there was a place in the Bible where God gave them an example of a kinsman redeemer. It was a law unto Moses. And he said to Moses, he said, this is the law of the kinsman redeemer. You know, people would read that. They'd have a hard time interpreting it, saying what it would really mean. You know, they, they'd think of it. But God says, I'm going to show you how real this law is. I'm going to take an extreme case. I'm going to take a woman that forsook her inheritance and went to a strange land and her son, her husband died, her sons died. They married strange ones and they all died and now they're coming back. They are got an evil name. Her name will be Ruth. She would have no right to anything, but I'm going to show you how real my word is. I'm going to show you. And Ruth had no idea that the footsteps she was taking were fulfilling what God had ordained for her. Friends, you and I have no idea that the footsteps we're taking are greater footsteps than those that Luther took, than those that Wesley took. And I will say even Brother Branham, though he was the four, was like the wave, part of the wave she forced, but the footsteps we're taking are our inheritance. What do you desire? What do you want from God? And you can have it. We're living in that time. Now Ruth didn't know it. But when those footsteps guided her into the field of Boaz, already her footsteps were ordered. She couldn't stop that Boaz noticed her. Her character went before her. You'll find this in the message in only one place. Brother Bram talks about the mayor 
of Jeffersonville. Vissing was his name, Brother Viss, or Mayor Vissing. There's a brother I know who lived there. And he, the mayor told the police force, they said, if you see William Branham going anywhere and he's speeding or he's in a hurry to go somewhere, don't arrest him. He's got a free pass. And, they, and, they, and the police force said, why? He says, because I know his character. I know he wouldn't do anything unless it was an emergency for the kingdom of God. So if you see his car burning through a red light at 90 miles an hour, don't arrest him. Now, wouldn't there be a lot of young men in this church that would love that free pass? Right? But I'll tell you what, that came as a result of character. And when Ruth came into that field, her character went before her. And God already accepted, or Boaz already accepted her. When you get the Holy Ghost, it shows that God has accepted you. You are already His. It doesn't give you a license to sin. No, you'll want to do the right thing. But I'll say this. We have rights, and Ruth didn't know what her rights were. She thought she was just a bondservant. She thought she was just a gleaner. She thought she was this, but really she was already going into a higher level. Little did she know she'd gotten the favor. Friends, the day the message came your way, the favor of God came unto you. You live in the greatest hour that ever was. I know I'm just past 12 and just give me a few minutes just to say what's on my heart. When Calvary came, Jesus entered into the holy place one time forever. And the Bible says he sat down expecting, waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool. Now, it took faith to be released to accept the full measure of that sacrifice. And there was a part of it that, that was meted out in the days of Paul. And he said, and with the boldness of a lion they went out, and by faith they withstood kings. Paul was fearless. That was the boldness of a lion. That was, the, that was in the atonement. But there was also a part of him that was in the atonement. And like I was saying last week, what is the message? You know, it's like the elephant. You know, part of it was a wall. Part of it was a rope. Part of it was a vacuum cleaner hose. I found out the other part. I just thought about it after. It was one of the legs. It's like a tree trunk. So there, you got the rest of the message. But it's not, all of those were part of the elephant. In the message was Paul's gospel. In the message was the days of the martyrs. In the message was the anointing that was on Luther that withstood the Catholic Church. But faith had to be released by God to accept the full measure of the atonement. And Brother Adam would say the seals, they were there, they were held. John, seal it up and, and hold it till the end time. Because like it was in the days of Ruth, like it was, I want to show that I'm a God of the extreme. And Satan's Eden. I'm going to take a bride. And she's going to be holy. She's going to be clear. She's going to be pure. She will be undefiled. 
How can you do it? I make mistakes every day, brethren. He wasn't looking at me. He was looking at the sacrifice, the seed that was in. Your flesh is not redeemed. Your spirit causes you trouble. But on the inside, it's already started. And when God came down in this day, when he came down and he put his foot here and he put his foot here, he was already claiming us that were here. He already crossed the line. He already accepted. If you can receive it, you are just like Ruth. And there came a time when Ruth didn't have to do anything. No more gleaning. No more laying at his feet. There was a time when Ruth could rest. Friends were resting on it. And Boaz came in the gate of the elders and he said, this day, I have claimed all that was lost to Abimelech. I've claimed it for Naomi, for the Jews, for the old law, but I've also purchased this woman Ruth to be my bride, to raise up seed unto Christ, to raise up what? Another Messiah, another Christ. She was going to be the female part of the plan. It's already, you can't stop, the devil can't stop it. You can't stop it. Since I saw my name in the book, I may have my ups and downs. I may stumble and I may fall. But something gets me up again. Something says I can't stop the road I'm on. I'm taking footsteps. I can't stop it. And once in a while I'll even step over the bloodline. Once in a while I'll do something. How do you think? Brother Branham would say, he'd make statements like, he says, he says, by love. You know, you go out and you do something, you step out. He says, love will cover a multitude of sins. Why? The fullness of the redemption was an expression of blood. Rahab told a flat-out lie to the king. But her goal was to saw a king coming into power. And God honored that above everything. Sometimes I may say a word wrong. Sometimes I may not say it the right way. But the very fact that I say it wrong, something in my heart says, forgive me. And the devil tries to heap condemnation. Condemnation. Oh, you did this and this. And you just tell the devil, the very fact that I feel condemned is because I'm a seed of God. The very fact that I'm repenting shows there's a blood for me. The very fact that I'm doing this means I am justified. I am sanctified. I am a part of the king. And your kingdom is going down. There is no more. The kingdom is coming into power. It's coming into power in me, in you, in sons and daughters, in your life. Do you believe that this morning? Let's stand together. Let's have the musicians come. Footsteps. And when he stood, and Brother Branham, you watch this. Before he comes, he keeps talking. He refers to Boaz 63 times in the message. 58 of those times are prior to 1963. At the time of the opening of the seals, he brings out Boaz. And he says, and he's talking about the seals are open, they're tore back, they come down, and the mysteries of God are made known. Why? You see his heart. Once Boaz displayed his heart to, to Ruth, 
There was no more fear. There was no more worrying. She might have had a bad day, a bad hair day, but it doesn't matter. He loves me. I'm already his. He's made his feelings known. He's given his vow to me. Friends, what are we receiving? Faith has been released for the bride to start walking as the bride. Faith has been released for you to take your possession. I don't care how bad it is. Listen, the worst that it ever was one time was that there was an earth dark and void and it, was, and it was gloominess and darkness all around and God had a vision. He wanted to see an earth as a paradise and he looked through that gloominess and there were seeds down there and he says, oh man, I don't know how I'm going to make that happen. No, he didn't say that. He could make that happen. And he's looking down on the earth today. It is full of corruption. But there are seeds on the earth today. And he's saying, I will bring them to life. I will quicken them. They will walk in my footsteps. They are my own. And the footsteps they take. Do you believe that this is something? I, I just need to share this for a moment. I, I can't. I just, just bear with me. This is too good. On earth now is a resisting power. On earth now, you know how real it is? You have a part to play on it. In you, God is going to bring forth the resurrection. Why? What the Holy Ghost was given for. The same Holy Spirit that saved the Lutherans that sanctified the Methodists, that baptized the Pentecost, is now setting in order the coming of the Lord. The Holy Spirit in Luther, in Wesley, in all of them. The Holy Spirit in you. Listen to what it says. It will be so powerful. That holy, that body will come. What is it? That body will come into this group of a church. It will draw the rest of them from the grave. Something on earth, that same voice that lays Lazarus, will be in the bride. It will bring forth a resurrection. I, I'll tell you what, I want to be walking with him. I want to be talking with him. I don't want to be sitting dormant. I want to be moving. I want to be taking footsteps. When the time comes, that Holy Ghost will speak. And I say he's speaking already. Let's play something softly. In the days of Julius Caesar, they had a kingdom in power. And it was a bunch of senators that ruled the kingdom. Caesar was sent to a war into France. It wasn't known as France at the time. But he fought a long war. And he came back after eight years. He came back towards Italy, Rome. And there was a river that ran and generally it was accepted that where that river was, somebody would receive you to guide you across the river. But Caesar, sensing the senators thought that he was so powerful now, they didn't send anybody to receive him. Caesar knew that if he crossed that line, it would be effectively a challenge or a coming into power. The devil has held us back by fear. 
He has held us back because of fear of death. He's held us back by our shortcomings in the flesh, and he's beaten us down. But God's come to give you life and life more abundantly. And sometimes we need to say, he purchased everything for me. Why do I sit back here? I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to claim my land. No doubt this morning, you may have sickness. The devil has held something back. You may have a lost loved one. You may have a family situation. This is not Brother Ed. This is the time we live in. I'm, I'm not trying to work up emotion. I'm just showing you from the Word where we are. We are coming into a fullness so great that is this, he says, it'll come into this church, it'll draw the rest of them from the grave. You know how it's going to happen? You're going to be thinking of heaven. What was the last song you sang about there's an unseen hand or something? What was that? But you were talking, singing about hills of home. Hills of home. You were talking, singing, I see loved ones. You'll start to think on them. They're here. They're around us. We're going to be united again. The rapture is on. It's going to be that way. But you're going to need to be walking in the Spirit. You're going to need to be in prayer. You're going to need to walk in the promises of God. I'm looking for that day. I, I, I want to see Brother Beaton. I, I, I'd love it if I was preaching and I saw him sitting back in his old place there. Brother Kesser. Lawrence Kesser over there. Brother Walter Kesser. Had his post of duty. Maybe you have a lost loved one. And they, they'll show up in your room one day. Oh, Brother Ed, that's like imagination. No, it isn't. I'll tell you what, I've been keenly aware. Keenly aware. Sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I just felt the need the other day for a brother just to call. I talked. He said something. I said something and I shared. And then he broke down weeping. He said, oh, Brother Ed. That's exactly what you've just described, what I've been going through. I had no idea. But sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. I was away in the summer. I had a situation I didn't know what to do. I got up early. I went in prayer. I, I turned on my computer just looking at something. And then I just went to some of my regular subscription on YouTube, some services, and all of a sudden one popped out from 2015. Brother Donnie Reagan just popped out of nowhere, like, where did that come from? And I listened to it, it was a three-minute clip. God made himself so real in that moment about what to do, how to deal with it, and how to go. I'll tell you what, friends, it can be that way. The unchangeable God working in an unexpected way. It can be in a service. It can be in a conversation. It can be when you open your Bible. I remember a time I was driving down the Yellowhead Freeway. I was burdened by something. And I listened to a tape. And there was a few words of Brother Branham. And I'll, I remember that to this day. He's here.
He's not very far from any one of us right now. Whatever you need, He's here. What are you playing there? Let's sing that. Do you have the words to the the bloodline? Even though my spirit's low And it seems I can hardly go But still I see I'm walking by faith I can see what lies before me but still I see 